Ciao ragazzi and welcome to Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. Actually, where you get your calcio to go. I'm so scrambled. This is what happens when you have to wake up on your weekend at like before six o'clock each morning because your son is playing in a soccer tournament an hour away and the tournament committee was nice enough to, to stick said son's team with 8.30 a.m. games uh each day so um but i i will pull through this is where you get your calcio to go it's part of we're part of world football index i'm frank Cravello, and i'm going to stop blabbing and i'm going to let richard talk richard carmen ciao richard ciao frank it's uh, another crazy weekend of uh transfers draws and uh calcio of course yeah yeah, we we God, we got a loaded show tonight because we've got so much to cover. Uh, a great match week three that involved three uh, matches involving. Uh, we can we call them the eight sisters now? I think Fiorentina belongs. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then we need to talk about uh, some key transfers that went down during the week. Uh, Arkadiusz Milik to Juventus, Malik Tiao. Uh, to Milan and uh, Andrea Bellotti, I believe, is now a Roma player. Finally, is that finally over the line? Yeah, yeah, I saw okay. a picture with him in a Roma jersey. I hope I don't know if it was Photoshop, but it looks like it's official. Yes, so we've got all of that to cover. We've got the re- our reaction to the draw from the UEFA Champions League, as well as the uh, Roman club's fortunes in the Europa League, along with Fiorentina's. Uh, path in the conference league will break all that down and of course finish with the world's most popular hashtag game who won calcio twitter good to see anthony good to see emiliano in the chat uh join us if you are watching us live please uh check in with us let us know where you are if you're enjoying a wonderful beverage here on a sunday night as as i am a spotted cow because i'm also toasting to the final uh night of my kids summer vacation uh, get to send their asses back to school tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. my son <laughs> starts school this week too. So, oh, are you guys? You guys are going to do the pictures and the Facebook and? I don't know. We'll, we'll be there, but I don't know. We'll, we'll take the pictures. <laughs> we stopped doing that. Yeah. <laughs> we just felt it started getting a little narcissistic, and it, you know, if if if, um, if if people do that, if you want to do that, and, and you're taking offense to what I say, well, don't be offended. That's just how we roll. You. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. I know you probably have family that you don't normally connect with, and that's how they keep in touch with you, and that's why you do it. I get it, but I, I still say it's a bit narcissistic. I mean, look at my kids, look at my kids, look at my kids, kind of thing. But you know, I don't. I I do. I just do it a little bit, not that often. So <laughs> only a little bit narcissistic. Yeah, yeah. I'm only a little narcissistic. <laughs> Saying I'm only a little narcissistic is narcissistic in and of itself. I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh my goodness. How are you? How was your weekend? Good, good. Um, crazy, obviously, with the Champions League starting, uh, the draws on Friday with Europa League, and then obviously all the games, and then all the transfers, and, you know, we'll get to the transfers later, but I got, you know, Milan Twitter, ma che cosa vuoi? What do you want us to do? I mean, we'll get into that. I, I'm just, Milan Twitter needs to calm the fuck down. 
Did you see that last night? Yeah, but I mean, then, it's, it's just a nut. It's just Milan Twitter in a, in a in a small sampling. I mean, that's how Milan Twitter is. They think we need new center backs. We need new this and that. Like, no, we are we have one of the top three center back pairings in the league. We don't need another center back. We need depth, absolutely. We other we need other places, right? We need a right winger and this and that. But like, calm down, people. Calm oh my down. god, what are you? Oh my god, what are you doing buying a player from a team that was relegated? And, and I've and watched this, and I watched gave Mal- up Cal. six goals to Union Berlin. And what are we doing? By the I, way, the pr- correct pronunciation of Malik Chow, like Chow in Italian. Chow, okay. Chow. So, um, but yeah, I watched this kid his whole career. I know a little bit about him, but you know, whatever. We'll get to yeah. that. Yeah, and we'll get into yeah, I, yeah. So on that rationale, Milan shouldn't have bought Rade Krunic or Ismail Benacer or Sandro Tonali or well, they probably shouldn't have bought Junior Macias. Adley or Adley he- or Yasin Adley. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's 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 start over. I mean, and I'm not. I don't want to single that one particular guy no. out because he's not the only one. It's almost everyone on Milan Twitter. Yes. And it's just it's it, you know. I think I go to Twitter to just realize how intelligent I really am. <laughs> so, and say, thank God for my education. Because uh, I really would be nothing. <laughs> so, I would say that, but I have no education. So, you know, whatever. Oh, you're, you're well, edu- <laughs> you're well educated. You're a polyglot for crying out loud. You're more educated than me. <laughs> so, oh. all right. Well, enough of our personal stuff. Three big games on the, uh, on the yeah. peninsula this weekend, and we're going to go into them. And Friday, it started, Richard, with Lazio beating Inter 3-1. Uh, only the most – only Jerry Mancini had that predicted. Huh. Um, you know, I am Jerry? Had, I am Jerry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he would have. Yes, he would have. Yes. He, yes. So, um, so that was where it started, and I think that that one caught everybody by – that caught most by surprise – uh, you know, and really a, a thoroughly deserved win for Lazio, a smart setup, uh, from Maurizio Sari. Uh, Inzaghi maybe overthinking it a little, throwing Bobby Gags out there, uh, in a game like this. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, so that's that that's certainly a huge talking point. Uh, Felipe Anderson, uh, scoring first, uh, getting a headed finish, um, uh, on a beautiful ball in by uh, Sergei Milinkovic Savage. I just have a question for Federico DeMarco. Do you just like giving up on crosses like that? Um, because <laughs> he just looked like he totally quit on it and Anderson got totally behind him and scored. Yeah. Um, speaking of quitting, uh, just, you know what? And, I, and, and this is just going to be a theme. Getting, you know, in this league, it's so easy to get behind defenders. Okay, from certain positions and catch them not seeing you, yep. and it's so easy to claim second balls in this league. I mean, it's just the second ball defending through the first three match weeks of this season has oh. been atrocious. Yeah. Has been absolutely atrocious. In another case in point, Lazio failing on the second ball. Lautaro Martinez gets to walk right in uh, and make it one-one. Um, and then yeah, the goal of the week for me, um, Luis Alberto blasting one into the upper right corner. Uh, is he out of favor still? Uh, better not be after that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Pedro scoring in the 86th minute. Uh, you know, ap- you know, and I think Pedro was motivated. He found out he got knocked out of the uh, Serie sit down intro. <laughs> needed to prove himself. Got back in there. Three one. Um, is the. <laughs> 
So do we let, let, let's start with Lazio on this, Richard, because right. we look at the first two games and the the win over Bologna, two um, one, which they probably should have lost because they were a man down, and then Bologna does them a favor, and then Lazio it was was it Torino in, in their second match, I believe so, um, ending up no goals, and I think we're I think we're probably learning that. That's not a horrible thing uh, with 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 what Torino is doing right now. Yeah. Um. So, is Lazio Lazio sandbagging it here in the first couple of weeks. Are they are they a little bit better than you know? It, what what are they? Are they what we saw in the first two match days? Or are they just gonna get up for this game against Inter and and throw everything into it? I'm I'm still I'm happy for them that they won. It's a huge three points for them, but I'm still. I don't know what they are yet. I mean, the this is great. Out. You know what I mean? The jury's still out. Yeah. Um, they beat Inter last year, so you got that right. They're very good at home at the Olympico. Um, this is also a little bit of sorry point, sorry 2.0 in this. I mean, compared to the first two games, this is a completely different Lazio. And granted, yeah. Inter probably had something to do with that as well. Obviously, DeMarco and some of the guys sleeping, but this is a, this Lazio team is going to be good. And it's not that we never said they're not going to be good, just that the teams that are ahead of them are just keeping ahead of them with all the moves that they made and, and this yeah. and that. This is a good Lazio team, I think. And I think the first week, uh, Bologna can be a little bit stingy at times. We saw that with Milan today, struggled and trying to get some goals. They, any other week, they would have had more, multiple goals, right? Uh, and then Torino. Torino is a pretty good team, it seems like. you know, And it almost seems like they're doing better without Belotti uh, in the lineup now. They just have a, a full complement of team, uh, yeah. players all around. And so... That's a pretty good team. And not to say that Inter's not a good team. Inter's a fantastic team that's going to be there at the end. But, you know, the way they were able to dismantle them, you know, uh, Felipe Anderson running in the back there, you know, catching DeMarco sleeping, and then Luis Alberto at that freaking goal of the week right there. Uh, and then, of course, Pedro doing what he does. And, and, you know, yeah, they had some lapses in judgment there. But, you know, Provadel, what a signing he is. He's going to yeah. be he, a massive – it's not a massive. It's an upgrade in goalkeeping for sure. The save he had on Dumfries at the end, yes. which could have made it 3-2 – big save um so this Lazio team is good I think yes they probably put all their eggs in one basket for this game because they did really well last year and they're maybe a little bit in Inter's heads especially in Zaghi's head right he overthought it with the Galliardini like you mentioned and some other moves um some people want to blame Handanovic on that Luis Alberto goal I'm sorry nobody in the world is going to stop that goal that was a yeah. fantastic strike uh but overall I think this Lazio were the better team on the day what do you what do you blame Handanovic for? You get, well, he's he always stands still, but he had no chance at that goal. You know, <laughs> it was one of the funniest things. I went when I when I when I took my USSFB license course back in '09 uh, in LA, and we had a one of the one of the guys on the US national team staff was one, he's one of the goalkeeping instructors, and he gave a lot you know gave a lecture and just on on goalkeeping and things like that, and and. You know, he said we we were interested in hearing like some of the craziest questions he gets asked. And <laughs> sure enough, some uh, some parent asked him one day. Said, I, "I really need my goalkeeper to. I really need my kid to learn how to stop upper ninety shots." <laughs> he said, "He said, uh, do you know how you stop upper ninety shots? You don't. You yeah. just you you go like this and you look at the guy and you say, great goal.' <laughs> That's so, all. That's you know. all. That's all. <laughs> so, so, oh my, but." I can't believe people were blaming Andanovich for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, why can't you put on a cape and be Superman and go fly to the upper corner and get that ball? 
So and Inter, I don't know I mean, what what happened with them. I mean, were they caught flat-footed? Was it more of the mental stuff that I talked about from the last year when they lost to them uh, at the Olympico? I don't know. And again, it could have been a little bit of Inzaghi overthinking this, and maybe the team thought from the first two results. From uh, we we Inter didn't have they had two crazy games, right? The Spezia game they completely dominated that game. The game the first game against Lecce a tough game, and so they had you know they had to fight in this one. I don't know what they were thinking at all. I, they must have had, must have had a bad day. Maybe they overthought it. Obviously, with the the midweek games coming, they're probably thinking ahead a little bit as well. I don't know. And this is I don't think this is a typical Inter performance. Uh, we're not gonna. I sh- I'm not gonna expect this to go here going forward. No. Uh, and the loss probably won't hurt them in the long run. It's early in the season, but uh, yeah, did they got beat soundly today by a very good Lazio team and uh, Inter? Hopefully, I mean. Not, Hopefully, but it'll be a wake-up call for them for sure. That you know, when they play these eight sisters now, you have to bring your top game. You just have to because every one of those teams are capable of beating you. Yeah. What's through three games? What's Inter's overall deficiency right now? I mean, I think, and 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 for a team that's got six points out of nine through the first three games, we're being a little bit harsh. We might be we might be a little bit harsh here. Um, you know, we we talked about them as the favorites here in the preview. Obviously, when this transfer window shuts, we're going to get a chance to change our picks um, based on signings and whatnot. Um, but what's deficient with them right now? You know, I, I, is it is it to me? To me, it's a couple of things. It's it's thinking you can just plug Lukaku back in and it's going to just be like it was two years ago or the reliance on it. Um, And it might get there. You know, I think that Lukaku had a rough year at Chelsea last year. Um, And I think that uh, he got out of favor with Tuchel. He didn't play a lot, got injured at one point, Um, you know, and it might just be a matter of a world, one of the best strikers in the world needing time to just get it all back. Yeah. Um, and maybe Inter's counting on that. And the best way to do it is just kind of con- continue to jam things until he does. Yeah. Or has the, or, or is it something else? Because you look at this team, they're, I mean, they should be, <laughs> you know, I, I still say they should be nine points out of nine. I, 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 yeah. I yeah. still don't know if this Lazio team is really that good to the point where they should be beating Inter 3-1. No, I mean, they, they, I think they're capable of beating Inter 3-1. I think it's a little bit flattering for Lazio. It's a perfect game by Lazio. Complete shit to bed by by Inter in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, the biggest deficiency it's been for a while, and I can't believe that they have Onana in their midst and they're not playing him. Yes, okay. I get Handanovic. He's a legendary keeper for Inter, yada, yada, yada. He's lost many steps. And mm-hmm. it's time to bring in the young blood. Onana is going to be the heir apparent. Let him get the games in now. If you want to bring in Handanovic for some of these midweek games or whatever, do that. Um, Handanovic has more than served his club. Uh, fantastic goalkeeper in their history, but he needs to step aside. Onana needs to come in there. Now, also the left, left back, left wing. DiMarco has been good, but I think Golsons needs to get more playing time. Now, I, don't know if, I don't know if Golsons is injured right now or anything or what's going on. We saw him last week uh, against Spezia, but um, you know the left wing, DiMarco... Has had up and downs. He's not been very consistent. When he's on, he's gone. He, I mean, he's very good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look that that when he's off, look what you saw at the Felipe Anderson goal, right? Yeah. Um, I like the midfield. The midfield is fine. I think they need some better depth. Gallardini is not the answer, obviously, in some of the other backups they have. 
Um, they got rid of some dead weight like Matias Vecino and some others like that. But uh, I think you're right also with the strikers. They need time to adjust, I guess. You know, Joaquin Correa, say what you want about him. He's still struggling. He did. He looked okay. I thought he was. I actually thought Correa was going to come on and like score the goal because that would have been like fitting, right, to play against Lazio and score, but he didn't. Yeah. Uh, Lukaku, not the pace. We've talked about that for a while now. Uh, and so, yeah, just the whole team needs a little bit of time to gel. Uh, but for me, the first thing I would do is switch out the goalie. I mean, you don't owe Handanovic anything at this point. Just bring in Onana. Let him learn and get into the and get to the gameplay because he was a good goalkeeper before. So bring him yeah. on. I just I think it's a criticism of 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 Inzaghi here in this particular game. I mean, I understand because we've seen we've seen this be done plenty of times with managers when when they go into these tougher environments and into these bigger games that they play a midfield that is built to absorb, um, and that's what they did by starting Gagliardini and sitting Chalhanolu. Um, but what did you buy Christian Aslani for? Right. Um, right. you know, and isn't he supposed to be better than Roberto? In theory, he's better than Roberto Gagliardini. He looked and good. Gagliardini was, yeah, it, you know, so, and he, okay, so they go behind 1-0 at halftime. They get the quick goal to make it 1-1 to start the second half. And they wait until after they fall behind 2-1 to bring Chalhanolu on. And I think that was one of the tactical mistakes. We see this with managers. They'll get to a certain point in the game where, okay, this group is out there to absorb things. And if we can keep it, keep it level, get to 60 minutes where it's level, the playmaking midfielder comes into the game. He's the guy that links it between the midfield and the forwards. We get more dangerous. We cause more problems. It's the old make them run make them wear down a little bit and then bring on the fresh legs that can have a go at the midfielders and can make them make them think about little things. Classic example was the Derby last season where yeah, yeah. Pioli started Krunich in the 10 position and everybody said what or no Kessie in the 10 position. Correct. And said, "Okay, are are you nuts?" And the whole idea was to, you know, bring Diaz on as a substitute and he comes on and Brozovic just can't deal with him. Um and and Milan, you know, and that's it's it's part of what led Milan to going on and winning the game. Yep. So, um, but you see that often where the creative 10 type, creative midfielder type is sacrificed, you know, for the first part of the game, especially in an era where we're playing with five substitutions. I think managers are starting to do that more and they're looking at it in a, looking at the game in segments. And in this case, Inzaghi just got it all wrong and he thought at 1-1 and said, hey, what I've got out there can go and get me the second goal and win this game where he's going to get second guess that Chalhanolu or somebody similar to him should have been able to should have come on at the 60 minute point yeah um and put some pressure on Lazio and I think that that's a part of where Inter might have lost this game and so and the big and the big thing too if, if that's what they're thinking about bringing on Gagliardini to kind of soak up some of the pressure and then wear them out Gagliardini and Kessie are two different players right Kessie yep. is a far better player than Gagliardini and you understand why Kessie's in there because he's a bulldog he always runs he's very good at what he does Gagliardini is just eh, right yeah inter don't have the the depth or the right players to do that uh they should have gone i mean if this is cremonese sure fine do it you got that on the midweek do that but against lazio who has a really good midfield honestly right sms and luis alberto are still very good pedro is pretty good too right right uh you do not have the backup players to do that you don't bring in chalanolo he's been fantastic for inter this season and, and last year right Bring him on. Let him do his thing and make it much more difficult for Lazio. Giving Lazio the run of the midfield is not the way you want to do it. And that, that's the tactics that Inzaghi did, which it seems like it is. Of course, 
it, it's a it's a failure on his part, and he he is the deserved main blame for this, I guess. But again, Lazio does a lot of credit as well for the, all yeah. this. Yeah, you give a lot of credit. You definitely give a lot of credit to Lazio because at that one one moment, what what did Saudi do? He brought on his ten, right? Yeah, yeah, and his ten scored, uh, and that uh, that ended up that ended up turning the game on its head and giving it to Lazio. So, uh, and I and I also bring this absorption approach up because that's what Mourinho went for for Roma uh, against Juventus, playing Matic, Cristante, and. And it has the appearance of three four two one, where Pellegrini played in a more advanced role. But let's be honest; he was asked to play in the middle uh, with with Matic and Cristante in that setup, and then DiBala was maybe the link between them and Abraham, you know, right. where they could try to get some success on the counter. Um, playing against uh, Juventus, and you know, I looked at these lineups, and Juventus was pretty similar in the way they played. Fabio Miretti, who looks the part. Yeah. Um, Adrian Rabio and, and Manuel Locatelli, and then you had Quadrado and Kostic and, and Vlaovic, and we talked about that Juve setup. You got Quadrado coming in from the right, right-footed. You got Kostic coming in from the left, left-footed. They want to stay wide. They want to cross balls in. Um, okay, if you're smart enough, you're going to know that that's coming. You know, and for the most part, I think Roman knew that was coming and dealt with that Juventus pressure. They just they committed a foul in the second minute that led to the Dusan Vlaovic free kick. That's one of the goals of the week. Um, and then, uh, uh, Mourinho was satisfied really with continuing to play that way and just saying, Hey, we'll, uh, we'll take all the pressure here and we'll just keep them out and get to halftime and we'll make our adjustments. Then how did you feel about how each of these teams approached it? Because when you look at these starting lineups, it told you is who's trying to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the the one thing that I saw, I thought that, you know, look at the lineups, you're like, oh, it's going to be uh, a game that neither team really wants to come out and really take it by the reins. But the little wrinkle that Mourinho had, or not Mourinho, Allegri had, it was like a 4-3-3. And when he's playing yeah. a 4-3-3, it's a little bit more of attacking, right? And mm-hmm. for me, you know, yeah, Roma were reading the crosses that were coming in. Uh, but for the most part, I thought the, the tactics employed by Allegri and Juventus were fantastic in that first mm-hmm. half. I thought they really you put the onus against Roma, pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, and it looked like, you know, they could have got a couple of goals, right? Locatelli had that goal that was taken away, um, rightly so. But, yeah, you know, Roma looked like they were maybe trying to soak up some of that pressure and you know, just wait to see how it is. And Mourinho, you know, he, he likes to play very defensive, his teams, not to give up too much. Allegri and and Juventus looked very good in that first half, Frank. Uh, at least yep. that's what I thought. Um, I thought they could have easily had two, maybe three goals in that first half. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know, Patricio came up and made a couple of nice saves, yeah. particularly yeah. in the first half. Oh, yeah. um, you look at – so somebody new goes to the changes, and what does he do? He switches to a back four. Uh, in order to do this, you got to take Spinazzola out um, and play Zaleski. Um, because I think that right now Spinazzola with, with coming back from the injury and, and, and things like that, I think that he's better built as a wing back now. Um, yeah, was, I mean, obviously he was wildly successful in, in Mancini's Italy, uh, yeah. on the way to winning it before he got hurt, but I, that's a different set of tactics than what they play under Mourinho. And I don't think Mourinho yeah. trusts him as much as a defender, as a fullback. So you go to Zaleski who... Mourinho places a little more trust in to play that position. You bring El Sharawi on for uh, Mancini. Um, so it's a yeah. back four. 
and El Shadawi is and Andy Baller are kind of playing in support of Abraham. And I think that it it also appeared to be that it also appeared to me that that Pelleg, uh, Pellegrini pushed up a little bit more too. Yeah. Um, you know where they could start applying some more pressure on on Juve. Paid off with the uh, tying goal for Abraham, even though that was more of a set piece situation. Again, poor second ball defending, and Abraham gets to head home. Um, Juve doesn't reset, doesn't set themselves. They don't attack the ball, and Abraham makes it one one. Um, yeah. So, I thought that the adjustments by Mourinho were smart. Yes, um, I think it. I think the added guy going forward put didn't put Juventus under pressure, but I think it kept them under control a lot more. You know, I think in the first half you had this, your thoughts on this. I thought that Juventus were just, they were going at Roma because they had the liberty to do so. Roma let them do it. And then when Roma made the tactical switch and changed the formation, it kind of restricted what Juve were doing. And I think there was also a little bit of Allegri getting involved with what he usually does. And Allegri kind of, I think, has this mindset that one nil is good enough for him. So yeah. what were your thoughts on how things changed with this, with the change in shape from Roma and, and how it impacted the teams going forward? Yeah, it's funny. When I was watching that first half and what Juventus were doing to Roma in terms of how it looked, I'm thinking, damn, I don't think Roma's ready for this. I, I Maybe they're not ready for the limelight after all. Let's see how the second half happens, though, because we know Mourinho, he will make adjustments, right? And sure enough, Mourinho, and Mourinho made the adjustments he needed. You know, to go to your, your earlier question about Spinazzola, <sighs> He does seem like more of a wingback. Uh, I mean, I think he could certainly play the fullback, but I don't know if he's back yet fully, 100%. Yes, he's fit, but I don't know if he's back to where he was, and he still needs some time to get up there. And Zaleski, I think, uh, is certainly a player more than capable of playing the, the right back or the left back position, excuse me. So um, if they can find a way to get Zaleski and Spinazzola out there, that might work, but who do you sacrifice, right? But mm-hmm. I'm not worried yet about Spinazzola just yet. But yeah, the, the tactics. The tactic change by Mourinho, I thought, was excellent. Um, it showed that Roma really are a team that are ready for the spotlight. They got that goal back. Obviously, lovely play by Dybala to do that side-footed volley to get it to back to Abraham. Um, but I think it's what you expect with a, a good Mourinho squad. Yeah. They're going to find ways to stay in the game. And the, and the perplexing or funny thing to me, that I tweeted this after the game, that every person, everybody in that stadium seemed upset at the result, except two guys. Mourinho and Allegri, and they walked <laughs> they off. Just, hand they hugged hand it out, and, and, and they hugged and it out all the way to the dressing. I was like, "What is this? What is this?" But overall, I think good result for both teams, right? Allegri showed that they can they can play offensive styles against good teams, and we saw Roma can take a punch, adjust, and come back. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good good result for both of those teams. Um, it's funny, uh, Sanjar says. Uh, apparently, Mourinho said after the game, Abraham was saying that he thought he played well, and Mourinho said. No, you did. You played bad. No, I he think. didn't play well. I mean, goals tend to mask yes problems, and um, Abraham played ninety minutes and touched the ball twenty nine times. And if you're going to be a dynamic striker in this league, you've got to be a presence, and you've got to get yourself into position where you can get the ball easily. Yep. And compounding these numbers, he lost he lost possession 13 times. When you're playing the kind of tactics that Roma are playing, when you're playing these kind of counterattacking tactics that Roma are playing, 
you need your striker to take on the role of being able to hold the ball and help your team keep it and being able to hold the ball and help your team play full, get forward. All right. Who in this league as strikers excel in hold up play? Dusan Vlaovic excels in hold up play. Romelu Lukaku obviously is, I think is the standard for good hold up play. Giroud is good at it. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do those three have that Tammy Abraham don't have? Those three guys are trucks. They're they're, they're kind of built. Even even Giroud, Abraham's really slight. Zlatan is uh, not Zlatan. Um, uh, Zapata is also pretty good at hold up as well. Yes. So, you know th- th- those guys. Um, you know Caputo's decent at it if he can ever run to get to a ball. You know, yeah. I mean, the the, the Sampdoria is re- relying on these older strikers. Pagliarella too, right? For that matter. Yes. Um, you know, Abraham's so easy to take the ball off of because when you look at him physically compared to some of these other strikers in this league, he's so slight. And I think that you see some possession getting lost from him as a result. He can't keep it, you know? And if he can't keep it, then players can't come around him to get involved and get the passes. So I think that that's a... That's a deficiency with Abraham's game. That's something that I think that Andrea Bellotti is going to be able to bring to the table. Yep. So, um, you know, and he's going to, he's probably going to have a better chance of when they get into these counterattacking tactics, getting the ball, holding it so that Dybala can, can join and get it, or Pellegrini can join and get it, or the wingbacks can join and get it. And right now you don't have that. Yeah. And, and, and James, James, great point. Aiden Jekyll too. Yeah. You know, those are the guys that, that hold it up better than those are the guys that hold it up better than Tammy Abraham. Tammy, that's where Tammy Abraham's behind as a striker in this league. It was evidenced by how he performed in this game. Yeah, you saw it clearly in this game. The difference between the two strikers was that Vlahovic was everywhere for Juventus, always you know holding up the ball well, finding his teammates, and then and Tammy not so much. Um, and so I agree with Mourinho's comments. Mourinho's comments are partly true, yeah, because it's he didn't have play a good game despite the goal, and two. Hopefully that'll light a fire under his ass. You know, now they got uh, Belotti in the, in the team. He needs to play better. It's competition. Competition does make you better. Hopefully, if he doesn't, mm-hmm. it's Belotti's job to take. But uh, Abraham obviously can score goals. He just needs to get in the gym and or learn to hold up play. I mean, we'll talk about the Catalara later, but they're similar frames, and he's pretty strong. So yeah, you know, Tammy Abraham just needs to figure out how to use his body to the best advantage to leverage uh, and, and take advantage of that. So uh, hopefully he gets there because I think yeah. that would make him a true complete striker. Uh, in this league, he can obviously score, but he needs to be able to hold up, dish it off to his teammates to become that complete striker. Do you know where he would be? I'll, I'll tell you where he would be excellent is Atalanta, complimenting Zapata. Oh, let Zapata yeah, yeah. take all that punishment and absorb it and let Abraham run all over the place. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, but Atalanta have players like that now. You know, they did Muriel, Lookman, uh, well, Boga. Well, what about the- what about Belotti, Abraham up top together, and Belotti does all the hard work and, and pitches it off. Belotti loves to roam around the pitch almost like a 10, but that can hold it up. Uh, and so if he does some of the dirty work and gets Abraham free, there you go. But then who you could sacrifice, right? You got Zaniolo, you got Dybala, uh, you got so many other attacking options. Obviously, Pellegrini is going to be, be there no matter what. So it's it's a numbers game with Mourinho. Who do you play? Do you play Spinozola? Do you play Zaleski? Do you play Belotti in there? Who do you sacrifice? It's a tough decision for a manager. Mm-hmm. It's good to have options because yeah. when you're on tournaments, but it's difficult to have a team and find that right chemistry that's going to get you to where you want to go. Yes. So 
I, 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 I see the merit to it, but I, knowing Mourinho, you know, kind of understanding how Mourinho rolls, if he plays Abraham and Belotti together, it's because it there's 10 minutes left and they're down by one, you know, and they need to, they need to, I don't know if he'll ever, I question whether he'll ever do that from the start. James is saying, hopefully a rebound match coming up with Mons and Roman can get right. What, what, what do you, what do you need to get right? Yeah. You have seven points. Uh, you, you, to be fair, yeah. who they play? They play Cremonese. Didn't they struggle there? Oh, they got a goal, obviously, right? The first two games they had a. But they did they really struggle? Did they really struggle? They got no, tw- they, no. they had twelve shots on target in that game. We talked about that last week. On a yeah. different day, they beat Cremonese seven eight nil. I mean, and the same thing with. Oh, say so maybe he means they'll get it right by getting the goals in the back of the net because that's maybe the biggest flaw so far is not actually being cl- clinical in front of the net. They have to get their opportunities left and right. Tons of chances left in every game, but they're not putting the ball in the back of net. So maybe against Monza, they'll find their stride. Or is it a trap game? Yeah. Um, a rebound match for Tammy mostly. Okay, okay. I understand that. Okay, But, That's I mean, because I, I really don't have a problem with what I've seen out of Roma in the first three games. And I think that the tactics that Mourinho put out there against Juventus were fine. It's like, you know, take – Take the punches in the first forty-five minutes, and then make the adjustments to, you know, to to rescue something. Um, Roma haven't really had that before in their manager. Yeah, you know, a guy that can that understands what's coming to start with, and 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 you know, defensively, I think they've been excellent. Dusan Vlaovic scored a great goal. That's the one goal they've conceded so far in these three games. No one's going to stop that shot. Yeah, no, one. no one's stopping that. So. Um, and then, you know, on the attacking side, they're creating a boatload of chances. And they're tactically, they shifted things a little bit this game because of some of the dangers that Juventus presented. And that's that's understandable. So I, I think they'll go back out. I, I think that if you're a Roma supporter like James is, or, 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 or uh, Sanjar, I believe, is a Roma supporter from some of the conversation here, I think you're... You'll, you, I think if they do get a convincing result against Monza in the next match, I think you'll just, I think you'll all sigh and you'll be okay. We're we're good. Yeah. So, but I'm telling you now, just judging watch and watching Roma play and what they're doing under Mourinho through three games. Rich is saying the same thing. You're good right now. Okay. Yeah. The performances are fine. Just not enough goals yet. That's fine. That's coming. So, what about Juve? Um, what do we make of Juve and their performance, and then them going forward? You know, I just, like I said, I think that Allegri was happy to get that first goal. He got the second goal, which was a handball on uh, on Vlaovic. So that uh, that got nullified. It came back through the VAR, and they got that right. right. Um, that Locatelli goal was great, by the way. Too bad it was brought back, you know. It was. Um, I'll tell you this. I think that... Juventus looks so great because I think it's I, I think that was more do you think that was more of a result of the product of how Roma set up in the first half? Sure. Partly. I, I, I think, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. You know? I think so too. I mean early because, goal help. Early goal, get the crowd more into it. I mean that yeah. all part plays parts in it for sure. And I think that that was also part of it. That early goal, it's there, there's something to be said about it. You know, and you're an, you're an away team and you're traveling and especially a team of like Juve. Um and you I know, think you, the wingers too. I think Cuadrado and Kosic helped while they were nullified to extent with their crosses. Yeah. Just the pressure on the defense kept them back and forced them to play more defensive than maybe even more than they wanted, right? And I thought yeah. they just kept pushing, 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 and 
you know, had chances at, you know, two or three goals and didn't get it. So Rui Patricio was just fantastic in that first half. So, yeah, it's a little bit of both, I think. Both teams, you know, uh, that led to Juve looking so good in that first half. I just think that Mourinho, I mean, it's not Mourinho, Allegri's just got to free these guys. Yeah. You know, if he just set these guys free and let them play. I mean, that Maretti kid is, oh, man, he's fantastic. And then get Evro Vela in there. I mean, goodness gracious. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I was impressed with both of those both of those young players. Um, you know, I, I there's there's a lot to look forward to, but just Allegri, God, let these guys play. Yeah, yeah. You know, he just sometimes he, he's he's the classic overthinker. Um, yeah. This is not you know, the same defense that you could do in the past, where you shut it down at one nothing. Your team's not that they're kind of they're not built that way. There's no chance they're going to save that, uh, especially not with the defenders they got. So, I mean, Bremer, notwithstanding. Uh, yep. So you're not going to win those kind of games. Maybe if it's the last five minutes of the game, you do that. But you can't do that with this uh, Allegri team. Not yet. Maybe yeah. they'll get there, but they're not even close to there. Yep. Um, okay, so now moving on to the third of these of these three big games this weekend, Richard. Um, uh, surprising result. A surprising and a, and a surprising scoreline, and probably a surprising uh, game script, or what, a, what a, you know, or at least what eventually. Unf- what we said. <laughs> yeah. Was this more surprising than Lazio beating Inter? I kind of think it is. I mean, scoreline wise, yes. Yeah, I sure. I watched this game and I said, okay, when are you guys going to turn this thing loose? When is this thing going to open up? Because it didn't. Um, and so the first question I'll ask you are are we maybe underestimating Italiano as a manager that's willing to be flexible because we're used to the, you know what he did at Spezia and what he's done at Fiorentina we the, the the great wing play the strikers that get a boatload of goals um you know solid midfield play and you know and things like that but are we underestimating Italiano's ability to adapt you know, to the demands of what's coming at him, yeah. you know, like a Napoli team and to be able to set up and to be able to lock him down. Dodo was unbelievable. Tonight. Yeah. My, for me, my, my, I think my man of the match for me, that's just me personally. I thought he was fantastic against, uh, uh, Varselia in this game. So, but yep. yeah, no, I, I think, yes. As was he, Milankovic and as yes, was, yes. uh, Martinez Quarta. Yeah. Amrabat was pretty good too. I thought, yeah. um, and for me, you, they, they added a guy, a little guy that nobody's ever heard of, right? Antonin Barak, who's a yeah. fantastic player. Uh, and it's good that he's on actually a good team for a change. Not the Hellas weren't good in the past, but he was good in this game. He's a big body, good with the air, good with his feet. He's a really good player, very underrated. Um, and he helps this team a lot. This adds a lot of dimensions to this team. And so they don't have to rely on the wing play. They can go through the middle with some of the big bodies. Ikoni, obviously, I like him on the wings. And, and Biragi, I thought, struggled a little bit. But, you know, Quarto was good. Milinkovic is good. You mentioned Dodo was good, right? Yeah. Uh, Luke Jovic, probably a little quiet as well. But Sotil. Sotil, if he ever gets if, – if he ever finds a way how to get his shot, like master his shot, he's going to be a good player. He'll be on a, a one of the top teams in the league. He'll be a star. He does everything but score the goals. I mean, he did really well this, today against uh, – what wing is he on? He's on uh, De Lorenzo's side. Did really well, but just that final product didn't work, right? The, obviously, the first one against Moret that he bobbles almost had a goal against there. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Sotil was everywhere. He just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And if he can figure that out, you know, this team becomes really dynamic. And then he, you know, he's, he's, he probably leaves the team by that he's point. So but. Qu- he's so quick. He's so yes. energetic. Yes. 
And you and then you um, got Kwame coming off the bench. It's, it's a good team. I think look out you, for Italiano. If you're Mancini, you should be calling Sotil up. I mean, a fit Chiesa is probably playing on the left in that front three. Yeah. Um, or maybe they maybe Chiesa plays on the right, and and so, but I, I think Sotil has, I, I I like his game, and if he if he if he continues to clean things up technically, I think he's a he's a fixture in the national team uh, going forward, um, or, or he at least should be. I mean, and and he needs to stay right where he is. He's at the best place he can possibly be, playing for a manager like Italiano, who seems to do wonders with wingers. Um, but yeah. Uh, I thought it was a great performance. I thought that they overall, I mean, yeah, Napoli had a little more of the ball, but did you ever see, <laughs> did you ever see a point where Galini really felt like he was threatened? So. I mean, Lozano probably should have scored his goal, right? Sure. And I will say this about the game and, and, and the goal that Osiman scored rubbed me the wrong way. The goal taken back, I should say the goal disallowed because it's the stupidest yeah. rule I think in the world. That's because, the goalie wasn't in the box. He needed to have two defenders there to make it onside. I think that's stupid. There was a defender there. I think it's a rubbish play. I thought Napoli should have had a goal there. But, you know, who's to say Fiorentino were going to score also, right? So, but, you know, there were But the chances. offside rule, that is the offside rule, it though. And it's, it's in its strictest of interpretations, yes, yes. it was applied and it was applied correctly. For sure. If but you are <laughs> if you are in full in a, in a more advanced position, and the rule is more advanced position than the second to last defender before the ball is played, you are offside. And in that moment, the goalkeeper was the second to last defender, and there was a goal uh, de- there was a defensive player on the line, I believe, yeah. on the uh, in, in the yeah. goal. So yeah. now, well done. Well done, I think. yes. So um, it's it's. It's just it's it's quirky because you don't see it happen a lot. Correct. So, correct. Um, but no, it was it was it was correctly, um, it was it was correctly identified. Now, do we change our opinion at all about Napoli here? I mean, I think that, I mean, it's an away match for them, nil nil. Fiorentina is trying to prove themselves, so you got some of that going on. But you know, I was of the opinion that I think that this Napoli team needed to needed time to prove themselves in that Verona and, and Monza are yeah, yeah, impressive as those results were it's Verona and Monza, um, you know, and what do we say? That's great. Now go do that against a big team. Um, and they, they, they couldn't quite do that. So are we still saying that Napoli is a, as you know, Going to get a lot of points, going to be in the conversation, but in reality, going to be a little bit of a work in prog, little bit of a work in progress in the early stages. You know, uh, my opinion doesn't change of, of Napoli at all. I think they are as good every good every bit as good as I thought they were going to be. Uh, the, the first two weeks are Fiorentina is a good team, so you have to look at that, right? Fiorentina played very yeah. well. Italiano is an excellent manager. I think uh, Javisha Havraselia came up against Dodo, who was in fantastic form. Dodo played the game of his life, basically, you know, yeah. defensively against Havarshelia, who really didn't have many opportunities. He had a couple crosses, really good crosses from a little bit deeper. But in terms of the one-on-one, Dodo shut it down. Now, granted, Havarshelia was a little bit selfish, I thought, in the first half. I thought he too much wanted to go one-on-one trying to beat Dodo, and Dodo wasn't having it. And then, and you know, flip it on the other side, Politano 
was a little selfish in the second half and not trying to pass anybody else. And also clearly frustrated by both those, both, both those uh, situations. But I, my opinion of Napoli does not change. I think they're very, very good. They're very uh, dynamic because they have multiple, multiple places, people who can take over a game. If, if Havrashely is covered, you got the midfield guys who can all take over Zelensky and Guisa, Labotka, Elmas, whoever's on there. And then on the right side, you got Politano or Lozano, um, obviously, Osimhen is a fantastic striker. You bring in Diego Simeone, who had what almost twenty goals last season. Uh, this is a good team, and Kim is impressive. So I think yeah. this is more about Fiorentina than it is about Napoli. This one, I think Napoli is going to be there, uh, put up a lot of points. At least that's my opinion. What are your thoughts on Napoli? Well, I think they're going to put up a lot of points. Um, you know, I, I but I think that. I'm still going to be cautious about them. I mean, I think you know they got off to an explosive start. There's there's a lot of talent here, but th- there's a lot of talent that needs to come together. And you also have you've added all these pieces, right? You've added Kvara, who's looking the part. You know, struggled today, but overall has been looking the part. Um, you know, we, I think we need to see more sample of him. We certainly need to continue to see him against the better teams. And maybe this Fiorentina thing was a one off, or maybe he's just really good against bad teams too. So, um, Zielinski, I think, looked fine, got taken off in the 61st. Um, I think he's just, I think it got to a point where he was running out of room. Amrabat played well against him. Uh, Zielinski yeah. still got his. Um, but you're talking about guys that are coming from other places where they started pretty regularly. Even, even in Dombele had plenty of starts at Tottenham. He at least had him under Mourinho yeah. when Mourinho was there briefly. I don't know if he's uh, Bakayoko yet. I'm so, I know Dominic says that, but I don't. He had the same beard, but uh, I don't know if they're sure. quite Bakayoko, right? <laughs> you know, and now you got Simeone and Raspadori coming over. Yeah, who are yeah. you know who were starters, and Simeone was the man at Hellas Verona, and now he's coming to Napoli and is going to have to fight for time. You know, yeah. th- th- that's going to be the one thing that I would caution against. Okay, they've recruited well. They've added a lot of players. But now they've added them from players where they were key players where they were coming from. And now some of these guys are going to have their roles changed a little bit. And can you keep all of those guys happy? I think. And and that's a fair warning. It is. And I think also Anthony brings up a good point. Is there more of a mentality issue than it is with players for Napoli? So I don't think necessarily it's a mentality issue with the players. I think it's the manager. I think Spalletti in the big games – tends to overthink things, tends to go more conservative than he normally is. And it shows when the results, because they can't ever get the... In his entire career, whenever the big game happens, he's a little bit more conservative. And he's got to understand that this team is probably one of the best assembled teams he's had in his career. And he needs to keep being aggressive with it, right? Um, If you're aggressive, maybe that pushes Fiorentina and forces them to be a little bit more defensive too. And they they don't push up. Maybe Sotil doesn't come up as forward or, or Dodo or stuff like that. So I think it's... Spalletti, if he can get this out of his head and try to be a little bit more aggressive against one of these, you know, eight sisters, the, su- the more success will come for Napoli. I think that's what's the big thing that held him up last year. Obviously, some of those bad results at the end of the season, but Spalletti's tactics, I think, and that's just me. I- I'm curious what the Napoli guys think, but I think that's one of the yep. main hurdles that's holding them back at the moment. I don't think it's a talent. I think the talent is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's how it's going to be managed, and can Spalletti be aggressive with it? And, and and be willing to take some things on in an effort to try to win the Scudetto. So certainly. Um, Spalletti also got abused by the Fiorentina fans during the match. I didn't see that, but that's a shame if it is. Spalletti's from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. 
and I don't think he would deserve anything no. uh, in that vein. And just, the only other, only other just side note really doesn't have anything to do with performance or playing or anything like that, but Antonin Brock was a youth soccer player in Wisconsin. The referees wouldn't let him play. Too tall? No, the shin guards are too damn small. <laughs> if he yeah. even wears them. Did you see that? Yeah, mo- that's most soccer players these days or football no, players. No, that was just him. Like everybody else on the pitch, their their socks were like up to under their knees. Like they had bigger oh, pants. He has like ankle socks. Yeah, yeah. He has like ankle socks. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's and it just, they would complain. And I was just like, you know, because the shin guards aren't big enough, they don't cover the whole shin. That's what referee, that's what the referees around here would do. And, um, I just noticed that and it's just like, that's a yeah. shame. Um, maybe he's too tall or his feet too big and they don't make the socks big enough for him. I don't know. Uh, maybe that, maybe that could be it too. So <laughs> it just, that, that's just something that stood out when I was watching the game today. So, yeah. um, anyway, I just, I, I try to look for amusing things that are amusing me while the game's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I, I, I was watching the Lions Steelers preseason game for some reason. Well, I wanted to see how the quarterbacks were doing. But anyway, the uh, Steelers got a first down on a big play like early on in the game. And then they had the camera and there was some girl that had on a lion shirt on that was in surrounded by a few Steeler fans. And the camera, the camera panned over to her and she just went, she just, she just double barreled on the camera <laughs> two two middle fingers. Nice and high, and the camera cut. The camera couldn't cut fast enough. It was hilarious. Uh, uh, it's like if you put the camera on me while I'm trying to digest things that me on Twitter are saying on Twitter. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. me. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, so those were our three big games. Um, Richard, do you want to batch the rest of them? Sure, yeah. Uh, first, starting off with Monza hosting Udinese. Uh, goal scoring start in the 32nd minute. Colpani with the goal to give Monza the lead. Uh, almost a shock maybe in hand, but no. Beto kind of brought things back. Um, 36th minute, made a 1-1 and going to halftime. And then in this uh, second half, Udogini, Udogini, Udoji in the 77th got the goal, made it 2-1. Udinese walk away with the road victory there. Cremonese hosting Torino. Goal scoring started with a nice work by Vlasic. Uh, the 17th to make it one nothing. Um, Rado- uh, Radonjic, excuse me, uh, made it two nothing in the 65th minute. Torino looked like they're in smooth sailing. Uh, one of the goals of the week candidate, Ser Nicola, uh, with a wonderful goal in the 80th yes. minute. Nice curler, uh, made it two to one. Gave Juric a little bit of worries, but no, nah, they won the game two not two to one. A good game. Torino continues to have a, a, a strong start to the season here. Um, Milan hosting Bologna. Uh, we got finally got to see the start of uh, the Catalare, uh, and it was an impressive one. It really, is uh, honestly the goal scoring started with a lovely assist from the Catalare to Leao with a nice finish. The twenty first made it one nothing, and then uh, in the second half, Leao playing being the playmaker and assisting to Giroud with one of the goal of the week candidates, a flying volley off of the assist, uh, make it two nothing. Some close chances. Adley had a chance to score his first goal, uh, mm-hmm. nice save by Skorupski, but two nothing Milan win that one at home. Uh, one of the highest scoring games of the weekend. It was a uh, special Sassuolo. Go figure. Well, I guess Sassuolo is involved. We shouldn't be surprised, right? No. Uh, goal scoring started. Uh, but Fratesi finally gets on the score sheet for Sassuolo. One nothing in the 27th minute. Uh, that lasted about three minutes when Bastoni equalized. Nice goal by him. Uh, one one at that point. And then in, uh, just before halftime, a penalty, uh, rightly rightly called, I thought. Uh, Enzola steps up and uh, puts it away. Two to one. Going into halftime in favor of Spezia, but uh, 
That didn't last too long. Five minutes after the break, Pinamonte opens up his account with, oh, with Sassuolo 2-2. That would be all the goals. I thought there'd be more goals after that, but they're, uh, yeah, a, a little bit kind of like locked up after that. 2-2, uh, though. Nice result for Spezia. Maybe not so much Sassuolo. Uh, Hellas, uh, they were on. They were the host hosting, obviously, Atalanta. Uh, interesting game in this one. This is kind of went both ways. Obviously, Atalanta are going to share the lines, share the possession, but we really didn't get any goals until the second half, and it was in the 50th minute. A nice goal of the week candidate by Cope Miners. Goal from distance, beating the goalie low. Uh, surprising, that was the only goal. There was a lot of good opportunities by both sides, but yeah. uh, one goal was it. Atalanta went on the road, one nothing. Maybe the shock of the weekend, maybe. Uh, and then maybe the fact because they scored goals, Salernitana hosting Sampdoria. You thought you would think, at least I would think, Sampdoria would be uh, easy victory in this one, but not so much. Goal scoring started in the seventh minute. Dia got the goal, made it one nothing. Nine minutes later, Bonazzoli can't stop scoring for Salernitana. That makes it two nothing. Uh, going to the second half, Vilhena, the new man, Tony Vilhena scores a goal and uh, make it three nothing. And then to add injury, insult to injury, Botheim. 76 minute for nothing. Salernitana destroyed Giampaolo's men. Unreal scoreline there. And then the game that ended this weekend was Lecce Empoli relegation six pointer. Maybe too early to say. Um, goal scoring started uh, in the 23rd. Parise made a one nothing for the visitors. But then uh, Strafese, one of the goals of the week candidates there in the 40th minute, one one. Thought we'd get more goals in the second half, but uh, unfortunately we didn't. It was an entertaining game, but uh, one one would be the result there. So. Uh, where do you want to start with this? Well, first, the shame that uh, Strafezza left the game injured. Uh, so hopefully that's not something yeah, too lengthy yeah. uh, for Lecce because Lecce don't have a whole lot of uh, attacking power as it is. Um, so uh, that's that's worth noting. Um, I'll start with Milan. Uh, right. You know, De Ketelare's first game, I think we've been anticipating that. And, I mean, he looked great. I, I You know... Simple assist for Leao. Uh, wish wish that Kalulu would have finished off the ball that uh, that Charles played him. Um, but you know, looked really good, handled it well. Um, so uh, you know, and just a good overall, just a good overall performance for the for the Rossoneri. Um, getting used to those third kits. Um, they're not as bad as the ones that were, what was it the year during the banter era where they were kind of like yellow Brazil colors or whatever, like yellow rate gradating down to green. I got my wife that that Jersey, by the way, just (laughs) were you fighting? (laughs) It was, it was, it was one of those, uh, what are those, uh, TJ Maxx's or whatever they sell, like, you know, Marshall's it was there. I was like, Oh, it's a Milan jersey. I'll get it for you. And that was Giroud's 300th uh, career wow. goal. Okay, wow. Well, look, look at the chat coming through and, and, and yeah. helping us along. We appreciate that, guys. I didn't know that. So he's been so he's been at so many places though, at Montpellier and Arsenal and Chelsea and now yeah. Milan. So, um, so going through that, yeah, uh, and then I, I would, I'm I'm with you. I think that outside of the three big games, because I think that Lazio Inter is probably the shock of the week, the way that game went down in the scoreline. And then maybe the lack of goals in the Fiorentina-Napoli game comes in there. But, if, you know, set that aside, Salernitana. But I think we need to pay closer attention to this Salernitana team and the way this was a team has been assembled. Um, you know, you get a player like Antonio Condreva who can provide service. Uh, he can't really do much else uh, this stage of his career. Tony Villain is a guy I've known about for a while. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, playing in the era Divizia, and he's a good midfield player. I actually have him in my top five for goals of the week. I love that goal. Johanna? Okay. Um, yeah, we're nice. we're nice Koulibaly, uh, Lasana Koulibaly chipped him through. Yeah. Um, and if they can get steady enough play from their forwards, because I think their forwards are more unsung guys, Bonazzoli, yeah, um, and uh, Dia, and then you know, and then I think this Bodheim and and, and uh, was it who, who made the comment about Bodheim in here? The Sanjar or who? Let me see. Uh, bu- 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 um, where is it? I struck a nerve. I struck a nerve with Presidente <laughs> about the about the uh, about the banter era kits. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, but uh, there's some hype here with Eric Bautheim too. Yeah, um, you know, him and Bill right, Handel is so. good for for them. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've been shrewd, and majority is ex- experienced as well. This is a pretty shrewdly put together team. That's making me rethink about them being 18th. They're, I, I think they're going to survive again. I think might the be better than last year. Might, yeah, yeah. They, they, they just won't might. And I think that you're looking at Sampdoria now, and it's a product of there's, you know, there's there's few ideas here. I mean, we talked about Sabiri. Jodicic is eventually going to figure out how to play with everybody here. Um, but what do we say? What do we keep saying about Sampdoria? Who stretches this team? Yeah. Who stretches opponents? And that's that's the thing. That's yeah. the thing. There's nobody who does it. They got the two, obviously, great older strikers, but they're not. They don't have the pace. They don't. They got mm-hmm. some pace for their age, but they're they're just not. Mm. Eric Bautime is the be- rap partner of Erling Holland. <laughs> I don't know if I want to listen to that. That's Norwegian rap. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I I don't 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 even start. <laughs> I've heard of that Holland kid. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm familiar with his work. Yeah. So, Atalanta keeping another team out. Okay. Are, are, we, are we seeing change here? I mean, it's three, three games played. It, I think. Well, here's the thing: we're we're learning that keeping Sampdoria out is not a big deal. I mean, because and that's who they started with. Yeah. Um, and but Hellas Verona might be a little bit more impressive because Lasagna and, and Henri are decent strikers. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, but. So far, so good, and it was the Benacer goal. So I think that Atalanta have gotten things a little more organized. They kind of continue to prove that. Let's see how that looks against some of the better when if they run into a Napoli or a Roma, a Fiorentina, you know, some of these other teams that might end up being a little bit more dynamic. But you got to, if you're an Atalanta supporter, you got to be encouraged by this because they were leaking goals like crazy a season ago. Um, And then the other team that I'm going to point out is. And, and they've, they've started up here on seven points. And granted, their wins are against Cremonese and Monza. But I think you have to be wary of Torino this season. Um, first of all, Ivan Juric is an excellent manager. I yeah. mean, I don't think there's a manager in Serie A, certainly outside of the, the top four to top six, maybe even top eight, that gets – the most out of what he has to work with than, than Ivan Juric. Yeah. You know, I think he pushes the the right buttons and we're getting guys just coming in out of nowhere. You know, Radonjic coming in, who I think he had a little bit of pedigree before he joined Torino. You know, Vlasic is finding a home now. Um, you know, Sanabria has been there for a while. I see you're celebrating Sanabria there with the Paraguay jersey. 
Um, uh, so uh, Miranchuk against Monza. You know, so they lose Bremer, but they're still figuring it out with, you know, Skurs is now playing in the back there. Uh, you know, Rodriguez is probably not a fullback or a wingback anymore. He probably is sitting, you know, as part of a back three at his stage in the career. So, and he's getting good goalkeeping out of Milinkovic Savage. So, I mean, I think that there's, there, there isn't a, there isn't a manager outside the top eight that maximizes what he has better than Ivan Juric. And I think that as a result, I think that Torino has the kind of team and has the kind of setup that I think they're going to give people a hard time. Do I think they're going to crack this top eight? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but they're more convincing for ninth to me than Sassuolo are. And I thought Sassuolo were going to be better. Yeah. I, I, last week we talked about how I thought maybe Udinese was ahead of Torino, but I don't know, man. I'm starting to think. So Not that I don't think Udinese is going to be decent this year, but I think maybe Torino and Juric are that much are better than, than Udinese. And maybe they're the ones with the – they have an attack now. They, you know, they, have def, they still have a defense. They got good goalkeeping. Maybe yeah, that is a call. So mm-hmm. Sassuolo is back to being fun bad. Yeah, I mean the only two goals they they the the two shots on target were the two they conceded. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, and and against Spezia, I mean you take a look at Spezia here. They 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 beat Empoli. They get the draw here. So maybe at home they're going to be a little bit. And Luca Gatti's over there managing. Which when he took that job and he left Udinese, I sat there like he's maybe going backwards. Um, or maybe Spezia is going to give him some resources that Udinese aren't because Udinese moved on from Molina. Eventually, Udogi is going to leave. Um, so, you know, he's there this year, but he may be a, he may be he may be at Tottenham next year. Um, you know, so anybody that has a lick of creativity to them and is at Udinese is is out of there. So. You know, so maybe he just he didn't like that anymore. I'd, I'd be interested to see what happened and why he left Udinese for Spezia because that's lateral like, at those... that's lateral at the absolute most. Yeah. So, yeah. I um, um, you know, I want to go back to Milan. Uh, well, first Bologna, they, uh, you know, Mihailovic. I understand what he's going through and everything, mm-hmm. but that aside, business side, he needs to go. He, I mean, he's he's holding back Bologna. I think this team is it's pretty stale. Decent. Yeah, but they need it. They need new blood in there, um, yeah. and he's not the answer for them. And you know, granted, any other day Milan probably would have scored a lot more goals. Uh, De Catalare, I thought was fantastic. I think he's going to bring an element that they didn't have last season. Brahim from that ten position, Brahim could not hold off people like De Catalare, which I didn't know he had this in his in his repertoire. He can body people off. I mean, Shouten was looked like he was going to, you know, be left for dead multiple times. He just pushing him aside. Uh, and then throwing those cute passes here and there. And, you know, if it wasn't for Kalulu not assisting to Giroud or scoring the goal, you know, Catalara could have had two assists in this game or a, a hockey assist. But uh, he's something good to watch. And then, um, yeah, it just so smooth. So, like, it's classy. He looked very classy. So we'll see how he, he continues on. He's still not there. He's very raw. But, uh, my goodness, he's got that touch. First touch is he's, he's something uh, special. <laughs> yeah. It kind of it, it. It did kind of give Bologna did Milan a favor a little bit. They ran out this kid, Denso Casius. Yeah, I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. Who prior to coming to Bologna was like a second division. Uh, is that is is the Airstead Divisie second division? 
Uh, I think so. What is it called? Oh, I forget what it's called. Eredivisie is obviously the top division, but I think that's yeah. the second division, yeah. So, um, obviously played well at that level, and they did, they found something. Okay, thanks, Sanjar. Um, so, you know, it's uh, here you go, kid. Welcome to Serie A. You got to deal with Rafael Leao and Teo Hernandez. Good luck. <laughs> yeah how bad do you have to be how bad is the are there options on that side uh you know i mean the other option i guess is lorenzo di silvestri and i think he's too old to keep up with either of those guys i think sinisa mihailovic did him a favor yeah set this set this one out i'm gonna spare you a roasting i'm gonna put the kid in but again it comes back to Mihailovic and he just needs to go. I mean, you know, I hate to do to the guy, but I yeah. think he's from last year and this year and maybe even the year before. He just is stale, like you said, and they need some new, some new blood in there just to make things go. Because I think the play, I mean, Arnautovic is a decent striker. They got a decent team around him. It just, it's not, it's stale. It's stale. Yeah. I just wonder if there's just a really strong relationship there with Saputo. How could and it that's not? Where it's hard. All that went through, you know, and it, it, for sure it's hard, but. Or Man. the fan blowback that they're getting. I mean, there's a lot. It's it's yeah. easy for us to he- sit here sure. and say it, but it's. I mean, can you imagine how delicate it, that particular situation is for for sure for sure. them? So, you know, if it was me, he would have been sacked already. But yeah, and then everybody would have said I was a terrible person, which isn't new. You know, nothing new anyway. So <laughs> you said it before I could. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, goals of the week. Let me run through my top five here real quick, Richard. Uh, number five for me is Tony Vilhena for uh, Salernitana. The chipped through by Koulibaly. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Giroud's um, flying volley there in at number four. Okay. Um, then uh, number three, I am going to go with uh, Leonardo Cernicola's goal uh, for Cremonese. Well taken. Uh, Dusan Vlaovic is in for me at number two with the wonderful free kick against Roma. Goal of the week, Luis Alberto for Lazio against Inter. Fairly fairly similar uh, for me. I'm going to go with my honorable mentions. I think Provadel save on Dumfries was a huge save in that game. Mm-hmm. I really could have turned that game, um, or even that game, I should say. Uh, Pedro's goal in that game is also honorable mention, as is Copeminer and Strefeza's goals. Uh, my top five. I am going to go with uh, Dybala's assist to Tammy Abraham at number five. Number four, Sernicola with his goal. Wonderful goal by him. First goal for him. Uh, Giroud comes in number three with me for the flying volley. Just like you, Vlahovic free kick number two against Roma. It was just a sensational free kick. But Luis Alberto, that was one of the goals. That's going to be a goal of the season candidate there. What a yeah. strike for him. Nobody's going to save that in the world. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've got I've – got- so right now, if you picked a goal of the season between Luis Alberto and uh, Domenico Berardi, is it still Berardi for you? Oh, yeah, but just because it's a re- the way the ball came out, he just read a one-time volley. There's a similar goal in the EPL this today, I think it was, where someone did something similar. Newcastle, maybe, um, but yeah, those, Maximin. Those, yeah, yeah. So those goals, are, those balls are so hard to score. Not yeah. that, not that what Luis Alberto did was anything easy, but. Just the, the difficulty was so much harder with uh, Berardi. I'm going to go with him just slightly over Luis Alberto at the moment. How about you? Sure. I think I think I'm going to edge Berardi out over 
Berardi just only just over Alberto, but those are two real good contenders. Yeah. So yeah. we'll keep tracking this as the season goes on because it's very easy to forget as we go through the season. You can go back and think of a goal of the season when we wrap this up. In oh, May you're keeping track. I'll, I'll lose track already. <laughs> yeah. So, so right now, what will it take for Saudi to start Alberto? Um, if that doesn't do it. I don't know what will. Though that was a great option to have to come off the bench. Yeah. Luis Alberto, and it kind of changed the way the game was, right? Him and Pedro. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's going to look at this and be like, see, this is justify why he should come off the bench because he can do things like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. But mm-hmm. I think he should start. So. Um, Bernardi can score a wonder volley but can't hit an open net. I can't get over it. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of players who score these wonder goals, but they, they can't score the tap-ins, right? I've never seen yeah. Melanowski score nothing but, like, bombs from distance and he can't yeah. get these like closer goals but whatever it happens it just happens it, it does it does it does um let's move on to transfers and let's move on to the <laughs> elephant in the room after the spat on milan twit with milan members of milan twitter yesterday so malik chow a, a name near and dear to your heart as a, a shalka player coming up um is now a Milan player, yeah. and they got him for $5 million. Uh, I look at it on the surface, and I say depth signing. Uh, yes. Having him means we don't have to play Gabia. We probably don't have to play Gabia, I should say. Shouldn't. Um, Maybe this so, week, but after that. Uh, Twitter argument notwithstanding, Malik Chow, you know him. I'm going to get out of the way. The floor is yours. All right. Yeah, you know, uh, first Did of you all, just look over your shoulder as if somebody from me on Twitter <laughs> is like behind Steve, you? you? Know, Steve Palillo, I'm still looking for his assassin, so I got to watch out. You know, okay? <laughs> rotation here, right? Presidente, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but chow, chow, right? Uh, yeah, no, so Rohit did a fantastic um, analysis of him. His last season in the Bundesliga before this season. This is when uh, he was just 19 years old, and it's a, it's a definitely go read it. Good analysis. It doesn't take into account what he did last season, this fight the Liga. Where uh, so step back 2019, he you know Chalka's struggling. He is forced to play because there's really no options at Chalka, and he was actually one of the best players on the team of that relegation team. Him and mm. Timo Becker were we played actually pretty well, and the rest of the team really stunk it up. That's when um, well, I'm not going to go into too much about Chalka, but. They go into this fight, the Liga. He gets a lot more start time. You know, Salif Sane is struggling, so Malik Chow gets a lot more game time. And he's he's a good player. I think, you know, first off, I think there's conflicts between the salary, or the, not the salary, but the amount sold. Italian media is reporting 5 million euros. German media is reporting 10 million plus $2 million bonus. Mm. So we'll see what the final outcome is. You know, the, the, a lot of the German sources are saying 10 plus 2. Either way, it's a depth signing. You know, this is what you know. What drives me crazy about Milan Twitter is they think they need to replace everybody by like be like PSG and buy all the best players. Malik Chow is never going to supplant Kalulu or Tomori. No, they're, they're one of the top three center backs in the league. Why would you want to replace them? Malik Chow is going to be a perfect partner for Simon Kiar. Simon Kiar yeah. is still a strong third option for Milan. It's going to be hard to supplant him. Age is the only thing that's going to take him down, right? And right. Malik Chow. Um, blossomed under Yoshida and also other veterans uh, next to him because he can he is a little bit more adventurous last year he learned to be more adventurous so he's a center back but likes to push it up likes to get up into play uh, and takes his opportunities he can play right back he can play left back 
He's very versatile. He's gotten a lot better with his passing ability with his feet. He's very tall, reads the game very well, likes to make good tackles because he can, he can, as Rohit even put it in his analysis, that he can read the play very well and, and can get the ball away from the, from the, um, from the, the attacker. Um, he's still very raw, though. He's been only playing professionally and as a starter for two seasons now, two and, two and what, three games now, two and four games. So he has a lot to learn. Who better to learn than Simon Kiar, right? And watching right. Kalulu and, and Tomori. So yeah. this was always a depth signing for me. Never going to be higher than a third on the depth chart for now. There's potential with him. He has the height ability. He can get the balls and upset pieces. He's fantastic with those. Uh, scored a lot of goals last season like that. And so, yeah, did it look terrible against uh, Union Berlin? Yeah, he had two bad giveaways. The whole team sucked. Um, but you can't base a player off what performance or what a team does, right? Otherwise, right. we would have never signed Adley from Bordeaux because they got relegated, right. right? But I think Malik Chow brings a lot, and you just have to understand he's very raw. He's better than Gabia, and he will be a good backup option to play with Simon Kiar, who he'll learn a lot from. Milan and any team that has their aspirations at uh, Serie A, either Champions League or, or Europa League and Coppa Italia, you need to have multiple, you know, depth around your whole team. And now I think Milan are set, you know, at center back. Yeah, you know, I know people want to say we need another big center back. No, we don't. Kalulu's fine. You know, personally, I want to see Kalulu on the right back position, but that's another story. But yep. Malik Chow, I think, is a nice diamond in the rough that's ready to be shined up and just need someone like Simon Kiar and watching Tamori and Kalulu play. It's, it's a very similar story to Kalulu. Mm-hmm. Very similar story. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good signing. You know, good, good. Yeah, and, and, and I'm with you. It's, it's 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 a pure depth thing. It's not something he's going to have to get thrown into a big game right away. He can he can learn. He can play alongside side Kiar. He and Kiar can partner together in a game, and he can cover the ground that Kiar might not be able to. Um, so we'll see. Um, this, this comment here by Sanjar, which a lot of people say that Malik Chow is slow and it's like, he's not, he's, he's this tall and he looks uh, there's someone else that I forget who it was. Another defender, the taller defenders, they seem slow, but they're really not. They just right. deceiving pace. Uh, he can keep up with the guys. I mean, even the video Rohit put it today, he kept up with Halan. Halan's a pretty good pacey guy. So, mm-hmm. uh, he's got decent speed, good height. Uh, just needs to work on some of the finer details. And I think, you know, having a Simon Kiara as your mentor is going to add so much experience to him. And he's going to become, it's, it's something for the long run. It's a right. long play for Milan. That's what they're looking for. They're building for the future. Uh, and I think they're fine. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I, I didn't, excellent breakdown. Uh, you know, hopefully that, that puts everybody at ease. It's okay to take players from teams that are relegated. That might not, they weren't the problem. They probably weren't the problem. It's perfectly fine. You know, I mean, as hey, you said, one last thing about this whole rant thing, go ahead. Elon Twitter. Do yourself a favor. If you don't know anything about a player or a team or anything like that, do your homework and make your own assessment, right? That's what I recommend. You know, I guess I've seen him his whole career, but you take me take what I say with a grain of salt. Watch a player do your own research, and you can learn a lot about a player. Never make these judgments just because what you see a scoreline or a team that's dropped to a second division. Don't use those. That's that's lazy. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. You know, and what what what's the other thing that I said? I said he had to play next to a crap on a cracker defender, <laughs> Maya Yoshida. So you know, so it's. Uh, 
you you're gonna you you're gonna probably have some games where you're gonna look bad because you're part of the collective that includes a player like that. So it's just uh, you know it's just what it is. I, I think he's gonna have a chance to do really well. I don't. Okay, so I don't want to hear a center back's name in a game unless they score on a set piece. Okay, or unless they make a key tackle. Okay. Other than that, I don't want. If I don't hear a center back's name, then that center back played well. Yeah, that's kind of the way I evaluate it. If I hear CDM a center back's well, name, right? what's that? The CDM as well, right? If you don't hear their name, that means they're shutting down the opposition, and that's it. Exactly, exactly. So, so the so he joins uh, also Andrea Belotti now to Roma. We did touch on this a little bit earlier when we we're breaking down the uh, Juve Roma game, but this is a target that's probably going to be. Very useful. And, you know, after, you know, digesting this after we kind of talked about it and broke it down, Richard, might play more than we think once he gets acclimated. Yes, he will. And I think this this is adds to Roma's fantastic window. I mean, this is one of the best windows of the of the of the season for City A. Uh, Belotti, I, I'm so shocked how he had not been picked up until now. Um, I mean, I'm glad he went to a team like Roma. They need they need a guy like him. Obviously, we talked about Tammy Abraham, one of his main efficiencies is the hold-up play, and Belotti's very good at that. Uh, Belotti, it'll be interesting to see if they could play together, how that would work, because I think Belotti is good at the hold-up play, likes to come a little bit deeper and then spread it out to his teammates and catch back up and get that, you know, the late cross or whatever. So yeah. uh, it's going to be good to, good competition for Tammy Abraham. Yes, he was a guy last year, and he's yes, he's very good, but he has some things to work on, and if you want to play under Mourinho, you're going to have to get better. And I'm sure Belotti's going to get his fair share to play for sure. You know, mostly probably coming off the bench to begin with. But you know, if Belotti gets hot. Mourinho won't think twice about going with the hot hand. So um, this is a really good signing from Roma. It's you know they didn't spend that much money. It's a free, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Curious what the salary is, but uh, yeah, I like the signing. I think for both Roma and Belotti, I'm glad yep. he's going to a good squad. So. Agreed. And I think we talked a little bit last time about Milik uh, joining Juve. Um, we can touch on it again. Um, I, I think it's just, I think it's smart business. You're not going to be able, I, I don't think you can have, you ideally would love to have Vlaovic be your striker for 38 games, but what, what's your plan B when he's down? I, I don't think that Moise can, can be really trusted. You know, I think that the role he played in the Juve Roma game is probably the role he stuck with. It's change of pace type of striker that, you bring on in the last few minutes, not a guy that you're going to ask to absorb a bunch of things in 90 minutes. And Milik, with City Eye experience, um, is a reasonable move for Juve. Um, this probably ends the pursuit from Memphis, Memphis to Pi, which is what was originally discussed. And, you know, we'll ask the question again Is there something about Memphis to Pi that one, Juventus cooled on, and two, when you think about his – he hasn't really stuck around at one place for a long time. Um, you know, is there something from a, from a character standpoint or a dressing, dressing room distraction standpoint that we don't get exposure to? And I wonder if Juve saw something and said, I think we're going to end a pursuit on this guy. I don't think that he's worth, worth the trouble that we're going through to get him in. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very fair question. I mean, we don't really know. We don't see what the locker room's going on. I'm sure – Wages are probably something to do with it, too. I know yep. Juve are trying to get rid of some of the, the big money, as obviously Ronaldo was big money there. But uh, Memphis of Pi asked for a lot of money. 
Um, so it could be a little bit of that, a little bit of the locker room too, because you know if someone doesn't stay at the same location for that long, you a- you have to ask questions, right? Um, and if it's not the locker room, that's very shocking to me. I I would imagine it's something, but you know, Juve is not without. They're going to get Paredes. He's going to come to. He's going to be joining them. I saw Nicolo Shira, uh tweeted something out about that. That should be having a medical here in the next couple of days or something like that. So they're still going to get some somebody in there. But yeah, I think having Milik as the the guy obviously shuts down the whole the pie rumors, which is still odd to me that he moves so often. But Milik, I mean, I know a lot of you and Tini are like want to shoot themselves in the face after they heard that news. I mean, Milik, you know, the injury prone Milik always not scoring all the goals, never living up to the potential. He was always dubbed the next Lewandowski, right? And just never could live up to the hype. Um, it's curious to see what he does. He gets an, He's a guy who, like you said, has Serie A experience, you know, and he's going to be a plug-and-play guy. You take off Lahovic, you bring a Milik, like-for-like player there. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still... The jury's still out with him as well. I'm curious to see if he's he can use his last chance, so to speak, in Serie A uh, and make something of it with this Juventus team, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, if uh, Allegri keeps playing this Maretti guy, bring him Paredes, they can beef up that midfield just a little bit more. They have a chance to get become a really, really solid team. But uh, Milik, I don't know, man. I mean, it makes sense to me. I get why they need a backup because Vlahovic yep. can't play the whole time, but is Milik the right guy? I don't know. Yep. Agreed. I, and like I said, I, I think that when you need somebody to play from the start and Vlaovic needs a break, it makes much more sense to have um, Milik starting instead of Kane. And I think that uh, I don't think that, and I think that Allegri is in, in particular probably doesn't care for Kane either. Um, and probably that, that, that that's another thing that you got to look at and. And I think that Allegri is also content that that's the role that he's happy with for Ken, a guy that can come on and maybe give him something late, uh, not somebody that he wants to have out there for 90 minutes. It's a shame, so. too, because somebody who I thought could have had a chance at the national team, but obviously he's never, for whatever reason, never kicked it into the next gear and become a stalwart as a, stri- a starter. So, you know, we'll see what yeah. happens with him. But it's it's not – his days in the Zuri probably are numbered, you know, if this is going to continue to happen. But then again – Bernadeschi kept getting starts in the, with Yazuri, and he hardly played for Juventus. So, quick one on Maddie Kamara to Roma because Chris is bringing that up in the chat, uh, and just a, a nice ad for some more midfield depth for uh, for Roma. So, you know, even more of a rotation for Marina to work with. Yeah, and I think they've been they've been looking for him at a long time. Uh, I think I think I saw Nima put uh, tweeted this out where they were looking at him pre-COVID, and you know, just never could get it to work out, and then um, now they finally got him in there. So, yeah, good depth there for for Roma. Mourinho and, and company continue to build this team. It's going to be a, 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 a team that can play on multiple fronts. Uh, it's what you want if you're a team that's contending on three fronts. So, and I'm not ready to. Th- I, I don't. I I don't think any. I'd be surprised right now. Looking at at least at the top eight teams, anything big comes by deadline day. Milan look like they're in for a couple of younger players. Yeah. Um, that are going to probably be guys that okay they sign them, but then they're going to just loan them right back out. Um, and let them develop. Uh, you think, you but, think they won't go for a right winger? You think they're gonna be content with Messias and, and Salamakers? Pioli was just in the paper the other day saying that he's fine going in with that. I mean, they did win a Scudetto so, like that. And they go to Rigi, they can put they can put there if they need. He'll probably Milan, start fan, Milan fans aren't going to be fine going in with that, but yeah, no, for sure. They don't make so, the decisions. They they. I think you cannot get rid of Salamakers because he's too important for the Catalare. That Belgian connection, obviously with Origi as well. It's important to have him uh, 
fellow countrymen with him, you know, to help acclimate to, to Milan. Um, and say what you want about, about Salamakers offensively, which is, you know, not much, but defensively, he puts in the work, right? Yeah. So you need that in games where the games are tight. You need to bring in a little bit shutdown. Uh, he, he just doesn't stop running. And then Messias, occasionally he'll show something that you're like, whoa, okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Precisely, I mean, precisely the point to Salamakers and why you keep him. Yeah. You know, and I, I really like the role that, um, Someone in City I please get floating on Grilich. I I heard someone say that he might be going. And I don't remember what team it was. I don't know if it was Juve or whom. I thought I saw Atalanta. Maybe it's Atalanta. Which would yeah. make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. But they just lost Froiler. Um yeah. they could use some depth in their midfield. Yes. So um we'll see. We'll see. Um but yeah, I, I you know, I there might be some uh, there might be one or two moderate names coming in but i don't know there's i don't see a big splash before this before this deadline comes and goes uh, by the end of the month so which is just about upon us all right let's breeze through champions league here richard uh group a napoli ended up in group a uh and will play ix liverpool and rangers group c is getting all of the talk inter once again in a Ugh. arguable the group of death dealing yeah. with Bayern Barcelona and uh Victoria Platzen and I think the I think the pill the Platzen guys are were there and took a look at when they got drawn in that group and said well hey we're gonna make a lot of money at least yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so having it was a mixed three reaction teams, from their team some of the guys were excited yeah. and some of them were like <laughs> having these three teams come to our yard so yeah um Milan will head up group E as the seeded team they got Chelsea Salzburg and Dinamo Zagreb and then Juve ends up in the group with Paris Saint-Germain, Benfica, and Maccabi Haifa. Yeah. Uh, rate these teams one through four uh, from most likely to least likely to qualify for the knockouts. Ooh. Um, man, that is hard with this group. I would say most likely to least likely. So I'm going to say Milan most likely. Yep. Um, I would probably go, Oh, that is, I probably am going to go towards Napoli as second. I'm going to go Juve just slightly ahead of Inter to Inter four. And see with me, with those two teams, Inter and Juve, Inter and Barca is the game, make or break game. Uh, Victoria Pleasant is going to be difficult for sure, but I think Mm -hmm. Barca, the winner of the, that the two games between Inter and Barca is going to be move on. And the same thing with Juve, but Maccabi Haifa is going to be difficult for, for everybody. But I think Benfica and Juve are going to be the one you have to watch to see how they do Benfica or Portuguese teams tend to give Juventus trouble. It always does, especially when you go to Portugal. Uh, and Benfica are no slouches. So we'll see how, you know, how these teams line up. Allegri historically does well in, in Champions League. He get the right setups. Um, maybe not last year, yep. uh, but yeah, I think those are going to be the two close ones, Juventus and Inter. And I still think, I think I said it before, I think maybe two out of four make it, and I think that's Napoli-Milan into the, okay. out of the knockout. I will say that Milan is most likely to qualify, and then I'm going to say the other three teams, you can put them in any order, and I'm not going to fight you. Um because I really and, and I'll, I'll give my explanations. Napoli are in a tougher group than you think. Now Ajax is depleted. They've they've lost some play. Anthony just went to Manchester. Is just going to Manchester United now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be interesting to see if Ajax were, are, are able to do anything 
last minute in terms of reloading, but Haller's still there. Uh, Tadic is still there. I th- did Gravenberg left, right? He's in Germany, right? You're correct. I He's can't... with Bayern Munich. All right. Yes, that's right. So yeah, they've they've been depleted. Talia Fico's with Leon. They're probably you know, and obviously Ten Hag's not there anymore. So they're they're in a little bit reloading. So there's a chance there, but there's always something about Ajax are shrewd. Yeah, they'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. Liverpool is Liverpool. You know, um, even though Napoli did have success the last time they went to Anfield, um, Rangers are then, no success. Yep, and then Rangers. I, I don't think Rangers are not going to be the easy out that people no, think no, about. I mean, no. these guys, they, they, they went deep in the Europa League last year. And I'm really impressed with Giovanni Von Bronckhorst as a manager. I, I see this Rangers team and I see him as a guy that has the ability to adapt tactically to the situation and, and adjust his team and situate his team for what the demands of, of the opponent are going to bring to him. And I say this, he went to Eindhoven and won that match and got out of there. Um, and I think when everybody was looking at Eindhoven to win that and, and knock them out and he went there without four starters. Yeah. Um, he went out, he went there without Morelos among, among a few others, you know, and, and, and pulled off a win. So, they're going to be there. Every one of these games are going to be tricky. I, I think you look at, and you know, everyone was like, "Oh, Inter's dead." Bayern and Barcelona. And I, but the more I've digested it, this group actually suits Inter. Because what do we say about Inter? Where, 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 when are Inter most effective when they don't have the ball and when they can counter? Well, Bayern and Barcelona love to have the ball. Yep. Okay. Yep. And Inter they are going to love last year, right? They beat Barcelona yeah. last year. Yeah. And Inter are going to love to counter them. Yeah, they're going to be in positions to do so. And I think as it pertains to both of those teams, I don't think they're the mystique. You know, you're not beating the mystique of them. You're beating the team that's going to be lining up against them this season, which, in my opinion, aren't anywhere close. This Bayern team isn't as strong as Flick's Bayern team that won it in 2020. No. Um, they're good. They're damn good. Yeah. It's just. You know, I'm not saying that. Like a fantastic team, almost yeah. as good as uh, what's his name from 2012 when they won it. Uh, I can't remember think of his name right now, but anyway, yeah, yeah. And and this Barcelona team is is getting better, but they're not they're not Pep's Barcelona with Messi and Xavi and Iniesta. They, Xavi is not dressing for them. He's he's in a suit or he's in a tracksuit on the sideline. So someone mentioned in the chat, you know. Screenyard did not look good against Pedro in Immobile in the okay. Lazio matchup. Um, and so I think Inzaghi needs to get his tactics better because, you know, you go against Barca and Dembele, who's got pretty good pace. You need to you get a key from getting exposed. Can he keep up with him pace-wise? No. Is he the savvy vet that can read the plays? Sure, but you got to set it up for him to win those kind of battles. And I think he needs a lot more help defensively, which he didn't get against Lazio. And so that's going to be the key thing. I think if they can – obviously the possession is going to be had with Barcelona – how they line up and, and counter that, how do they protect the defensively is going to be the keys. I think if they can protect Skriniar in that back line with some defensive help from the midfielders, Barella or whoever, then they're going to be they're going to chance to win. Because I think the counterattack is going to be there and they're going to they're going to be able to get the goals. You know, match Dumfries and Lautaro running down the pitch, getting goals there. I can see that. Uh, but it's how you set up defensively, how Zagi does going you know, to make or break his, you know, brain at, at Inter. If they go out in embarrassing fashion and they struggle and say, yeah, maybe he's gone. But you know, still way too I early see, to tell. I see Darmian. I, I could see a lot of Darmian in the group stage. Yeah, 
dealing yeah. with those teams to give Skriniar some help. And then Dumfries is a guy that you, you know, that maybe you bring in later if you need to try to get somebody to give, you know, to get forward and get some width. So, um, and then, uh, Juve, yeah, that, that's not a done deal for qualification for them either. PSG obviously is very talented and, yeah. and Benfica, is going to cause some problems. They, they, Benfica defends well. They've got some experience with Otamendi back there. They've got guys that have been there forever, like Rafa Silva, mm-hmm. um, and they've added David Neres. He's another guy that left Ajax that, that's over there. Yeremchuk is a decent striker. They've got some other options that can attack. And you're going to see – I mean, uh, you're going to probably see a lot of Allegri ball, and it's going to come down to those two games against Benfica as to whether or not Juve are going to progress. I mean, all four teams could get through, but just one team could also get through. I mean, I think we're penciling Milan into the knockouts. Um, But even that, you know, at their group, Salzburg isn't what they were. Sure. But they still have a philosophy in the way they go about doing things. They're like Ajax. They they find these diamonds in the rough and turn them into superstars, you know. And they can create some problems. And Dinamo Zagreb, Dinamo Zagreb have talented players. Yeah. Um, I watched their game against uh, Bodo Glimt last week. You were the Orsic, one. What's that? You were the one. At least over here. Um, <laughs> Orsic. Yeah. Very technical players. This Baterina kid, number 10, is their latest youth kid that I heard a couple people say might be that, you know, has Luka Modric potential. Potential. Mm. Don't you get people are all jumping out of their seats. Um I, I'm just I'm saying potential. I'm not going to go out there. Yeah, he's the next Luka Modric. No, he's <laughs> he. It's the, the the story on him is that he, they that the, that upside is there. Um, a little old and, and and slower in the back maybe, but um, but a, a, you know a, a technical team. And Dinamo Zagreb through the years have produced good young players. Yeah, uh, that go on and have you know that are, that go on and get wildly successful. So they're going to be. Yeah, Salzburg and Zagreb are tricky, but Milan should be able to take take care of business. Um, and it just comes down to the two games with Chelsea to dictate whether they win the group or finish second. So I'm going to say Milan qualify. I'm going to say Juve barely qualify. And that group A is just way too weird. I just think something weird is going to happen with Napoli and they're going to not they're, they're not going to make it. Um, and then Inter go to the Europa League. I think that Barcelona will just edge them out. I think that Inter, it's set up for Inter in the way they want to play, but I think that Bayern and Barcelona might just have a tick too much quality for them to overcome. So you have Milan-Juve, I have Milan-Napoli, right? Yep, yep. I think Napoli will just barely get past Benfica. I'm not comfortable making that prediction, and... I, I could change my mind here in a few days and see if, if I look at Ajax's team again and say, yeah, maybe three teams get through and Napoli get through. That would be the next team I would send through. I think that it's toughest for Inter if I had to, you know, make the smart decisions. So um, Europa League, um, that got we have Roma and uh, Lazio in that competition. Uh, Roma gets Ludo Gretz, Real Betis, and Helsinki. Um, Lazio get Feyenoord. Michelin and Sturmgratz. Um, I think that it is going to be pretty straightforward for both. If they if they put their attention into this, uh, they'll qualify. I think that for Roma, it's going to be them and Betis. 
Yes. Um, I think Ludogratz is going to cause some problems. They seem yes. to always do. Uh, I think it's a little, I think Helsinki makes up the numbers in that group. And then I think when you go to Lazio, Feyenoord produces good teams. Uh, still, you know, for the Michelin has been a bit of a fixture. Uh-huh. Sturmgratz just sold one of their better players to Atalanta. I don't know if he's going back to Sturmgratz on loan. And I, I just, I was just looking at it. The name escapes me. Um, but I think it's pretty straightforward for Roma and Lazio. They'll they'll qualify. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think for Roma, the big big challenge is going to be whether they finish first or second. I think Real Betis is a fantastic team this year. Um, started the league off undefeated in three games, three games, three wins. Uh, Ludogorets always causes trouble for people, like you said. And Helsinki, I think, will be the bottom of the group. So yeah, Roma, Betis in that group, and then Lazio. They should, you know, first or second. That's the question for both Roma and Lazio. But I think Feyenoord. Or Michelin will be the other one, but uh, I'll probably lean towards Feyenoord as well. I think they've been, the last couple of years they've been a lot better than they had been in the last five, ten years. So, um, sure. yeah, I think Lazio and Roma are both going to move out. So, All right. And then the uh, Conference League, Fiorentina, uh, certainly a, a passable group for them. Istanbul, the Saxa here is actually the seeded team in that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they play Hearts from Scotland and then uh, Riga from Latvia. So, um I see no problem with them qualifying. I think that they probably qualify top of this group too. Basaksa here can concede a lot of goals. Mm. They seem to in Europe, and then it, you know, so it'll be, um, it'll be pretty straightforward. I think that if Fiorentina, like I said, like the other teams, if they have their attention on this competition, it shouldn't be an issue for them to qualify. That's always the question, right? Are they going to have their heads into the sun? You know, some of these managers don't necessarily like playing in Europe unless it's the Champions League. And so, even even if it's Champions League, they're like, oh, let's focus on City A or whatever or Copa Italia. So, you we'll think Fiorentina will do that, though? I don't think they will. I think I think they're going to relish being in a European competition because I think it's been a while for them. No, I think they will too. I think they will. But if you're looking at Roma or Lazio, well, maybe not Roma, maybe Lazio, you know, who knows? But uh, yeah, no, I think Fiorentina, I think Hearts and Istanbul will be the ones that they're going to have to watch. Uh, but I think they should they should top their group and win. Yep. Hopefully they're hopefully they're in it, and I think they will be. All right, so we're in agreement on that. We think two teams from the Champions League, both teams from Europa League, and then Fiorentina from the Conference League will extend their European seasons into 2023. Mm. So, um, we just differ on who the second team is with the Champions League. You say Napoli, I say Juve. So, um, although I may change to three and, and throw Monopoly into that bucket. Right, right now, I just I think that group is just so super quirky. Um, that Liverpool certainly coming out of it, but then I think it's a dogfight for who the second team is. So we'll see. Um, give us your thoughts on the draws and what you expect out of your teams in Europe at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. I still do that. I still want to see, have people reach out to us and uh, give us their comments and replies. They should. So, yeah, why not? Why not? I you know so. All right, so. Uh, moving on now to the world's most popular hashtag game. It is time for who won Kelcho Twitter. Richard, lead us off. All right. Starting off is Paris snitch. Uh, and this one comes, uh, where he, uh, he says, I can imagine Bonetti in prison. So people were going after Bonetti for his comments. And so someone said, uh, this is him in prison. And the guy goes, Hey, I killed a man. What are you in for? He goes, I posted football screenshot on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> This was in that in in re, 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 relation to that octagon, yeah, setup yeah, that Hube yeah. was in. I remember that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Mick Flair drip at m eighteen ninety seven. A sad short story. Um, 
<laughs> he points. I want the shit version of that, and it's our. Is that our tour? No, that's uh, oh, Murata. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Murata. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. This guy. This guy for real. The brow said, "Get him whatever he wants." <laughs> so, and there's Bill. Milik. I just ruined the whole joke. It is, but it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. And then, is it? Is there more? Oh. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, well, then he did follow up by the up saying, fucking Arkadiusz Wayne Milik is not the striker I had on my bingo card when the Mercato started. <laughs> I don't think good. it was on anybody's bingo card when the Mercato no, started. No. So you're not alone on that. Yeah. All uh, right. On the same vein, here we go. Uh, at Ravid underscore Omer. Uh, Allegri at the office tomorrow. I asked for milk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. All right, so at Totti's armband, uh, <laughs> Napoli Sansoni saying Napoli is a very serious dark horse. At Totti's armband saying the horse in question. <laughs> uh, creative, creative. Huh? Uh, all right, what else? What we got here? Let's see. Oh, okay, so this one is deleted. I don't know. What, oh, this is, I don't know what that is. So uh, Apex, you'll have to. Fill us in on what the, what it was. I don't remember anymore what it it's was. Something from David Amoyal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something probably shouldn't even talk about here. Anyway. So. Yep. Uh, anyway. So moving on. The big show again. So the original tweet was uh, Inter posted Echo El Nostro Girone de Champions League, um, and it's you know obviously the group that Inter's in, and then Big Show says this is a sinking ship or sinking boat or car. <laughs> <laughs> the kids from Malcolm in the Middle. Yep. Yep. Love to see it. Love to see a Malcolm in the Middle reference. <laughs> All right. So moving on to Parasnitch. Yes. Yes. Okay. I nominated this. Bayern, Barcelona, and Victoria Pilsen versus Inter in the UCL. <laughs> Just beating him senselessly. Oh, that's funny. so. Which 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 team is pulling Inter's pants down there? It's probably Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it's probably you know it's probably Bayern Munich. They're gonna you know score the goals, want to score okay. the goals. So, uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Lisi nominated this one. RB Salzburg said, uh, "Happy to be playing the biggest club in Italy. Can't wait to see you guys in Salzburg." In reference to Milan, so um, recognizing the uh, seven-time Champions League winners. So, <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, it's not always about the jokes. It's about. It's also about the love. And uh, this is from at Matt underscore E O O zero Samuel and TT. So world champion played with the best players in the world, yep. and he's getting emotional over the reception he got for Lecce, which is uh, amazing by the fans there uh, that they give him this much love. And he, you know, he obviously feels it. You know, he's been playing at the best places in the world. Played at Barcelona. Played at France. Uh, with the national team winning the World Cup, and yet he still gets emotional for a res, you know, reception like that. So you'd love to see that. And it's why we didn't discuss it in the transfers, because we knew it was part of our Who Won Calcio Twitter there segment. You go. So. It's a big good pickup by them. Good pickup by them. Yeah, especially the way they're trying to play and, 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 and yep. kind of doing that survival mode. To have a solid defender, an experienced defender back there is going to help them. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, moving on. Uh, Joe Cappuccino, Inter, after playing Bayern and Barca. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they get that counterattacking game going. They, they they might they might just happen. Yeah. 
at Jello Rossi USA. Juventus changes since their last match v AS Roma. All these players outgoing for Juve. Who's going to play for them against the Roma? Obviously, they did well, but... And let's talk about the players that come in. Bremer, Kostic. Oh, someone's injured. Oh, another guy injured. Oh, he's injured. So they were, talk they were talking some trash against Juventus before the match, and mm -hmm. he even did it a draw, but, you know, creative. Yep. Creative. <laughs> I knew it would be a draw. I had it I had it nil-nil, though. Yeah, so. yeah, very close. Saturnion so. getting in the action. It's uh, Liao when he scores a winner for Chelsea at the San Siro, <laughs> running over to the Curva Sud and celebrating. <laughs> yeah. like Adebayor, the infamous goal back in yep. 2011 or whatever it was. Emmanuel uh, Adebayor. What wait, wait, that, became that, of that, him? That's not going to happen. Any Liao's not going anywhere. That $150 million clause was only good for July. So once we got closer to the end of the Mercato. No, the, the, this was when yeah, Adebayor slid over to the Ar the Arsenal were Arsenal. the away team and the, the Arsenal yes. supporters. So yeah, so this yes, would be yes. Leal sliding over to the Chelsea supporters of the San Siro. <laughs> okay. Uh, we like that. We like that. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> Saturnion again. Inter unlucky in the group of death. What are you talking about? In Milan plus Inter with 10. Uh, but Milan have seven of those ten. Uh, <laughs> I like how he just City. snuck in Milan, just a small over there, so you could can tell. City, PSG, Chelsea, Barcelona, Juve with nine. Barca with five of those. Chelsea with two of those. Juve with two of those. Manchester City in Paris. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I don't know about George's uh, uh, entry here, but <laughs> well, I had a different so. This, you, I'm not going to say anything about this, but I suggested maybe the girl would have been Inter and then Victoria Pleasant would have been one of the guys. But That would have been funny. It would have been funnier if it was that. <laughs> That's but, a very often used meme there. So Yes. So leaked footage of Juve <laughs> passing as Milik passing as Juve medical at GFC Tom 2001. At the British Museum are unwrapping those secrets. <laughs> We're using the best CT scanners available. We're <laughs> using CT scans and data visualization technology. That's good. That was much better. Oh, leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. <laughs> leader in the clubhouse. Oh, let's see what Mila Weekly Podcast is nominated here from uh, uh, Semprista. So, uh, original tweet was Tech Burrito says the evolution of the Big Pen, and it hasn't changed since 1955. AC Milan's right wing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. What are you talking about? We had Suzo. Oh God! Don't bring him up. <laughs> I know. All right, Saturnion again. Allegri telling Vlaovic his role at Juventus. We need sound. Oh, you Turn yourself into a defender. <laughs> I could be more precise, couldn't I? All right. Tell Vlaovic to come a play on the world stage. It'll be as a fullback. Vlahovic has a fullback. You want me to be a defender? I don't understand what you're saying. Why? Your skills are better suited for that position. <laughs> a complete transition. No! Wait a second. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> oh my All goodness! Right. All right, that's 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 contending. 
Yep. I don't uh, know. I think I think the Millick stiff is 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 probably still. Uh, but no. let's see what Napoleon Eastmo has to say about it. Okay. So this is you on cocaine. This is you on alcohol. This is you on crack. This is you on allegory. <laughs> it's all drunk walking away. <laughs> Just staggering around. Don't know where you're going. <laughs> Does he fall? No, he doesn't fall. It just loops over, so. Ah. Uh, I know. I, I have I hold Napoleon Eastmo to a higher standard. <laughs> Let's see. Oh uh, god. <laughs> replying to at Berto underscore AJC John, uh, Johnny Delicol John at Johnny Rules27 nominating this saying this has to win. Well, we'll be the judge of that. Let's have a look. The Pogba family reunion. Oh, <laughs> uh, for those who don't know uh, what this is a reference to is Pogba's brother apparently had this bizarre video where he said he's going to reveal these these secrets to Pogba uh, while he was at United and with uh, the with, with French national team with Mbappe and this and that. And obviously then today, Pogba, Paul Pogba comes out and says, you know, some uh, mafiosos were coming after him or some gangs were going after him. So something's going on in the Pogba household. I don't know what's going on, but uh, they're probably fighting like this. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Oh, goodness. All right. What else we got here? Oh, that's it. That's, that's it. it. We're done. We're done. Oh, man. Uh, we're down to Saturnion with Allegri telling Vlaovic his new role at Juventus or at JFC Tom 2001 leaked footage of Milik passing his Juve medical. <laughs> I mean, I like that. Uh... Let's watch him again. Unwrapping those secrets. Are we using the best CT scanners available? <laughs> But now, using CT scans and data visualization technology, experts at the British Museum are unwrapping those secrets. Are we using the best CT scanners <laughs> available? All right, that's that. And then uh, you said this one? Uh, yeah. It'll be as a fullback. This is uh, Allegri talking to Vlahovic. <laughs> <laughs> Defender? I don't understand what you're saying. Why? Your skills are better suited for that position. You will never again play as a forward. A complete transition. No! Wait a second. You can't, but why? Oh, all right. Turn That's yourself tough. into a stuff. Oh, man. We got it. But now using CT's. What's that? That's a tough call. That is a tough call. The Pogo one was good at the end, too. Uh, but I'm I'm going I'm going with uh, I think I'm going with JFC Tom 2001. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Barely. Like, stiff. <laughs> Barely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, congrats to. Okay, so let me post this while you talk to the people. Oh, people, people, people. Thank you for everyone joining us in the chat tonight. If you haven't done so already, make sure you follow us, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, I should say. Uh, lots to go here. You know, the Mercato is wrapping up this next week. I don't know. I'm looking at my top my top teams, especially the top eight, and uh, there will be a little bit of changes. won't be much changing there, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Roma's firmly in my top four, but, you know, we'll see how the rest of it pans out. Um, but there will be some changes, I think, based off of, how the players look so far this first month, and also how the some of the transfers have come in and out. Um, it's certainly been interesting here. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, okay. How about you? You think you're uh, you're you're 
predictions are going to change? I think my relegation is going to change a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the middle table guys, and I I might move some things around with the top seven or eight. You still have... Um, uh, I'm also letting Saturnio know he was runner-up this week. Oh, very good. Very good. Very good. We'll see. uh, Do you have um, uh, Roma winning the uh, Mercato so far? Is that your winner? I I think so. I think with just 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 how they how the pieces all fit and how everything makes sense for me, I think that that's probably the best uh, that's probably the best answer here. Yeah. So, as far as if you're looking for who who, who the uh, Mercato winner is, so we got midweek football uh, yep. or midweek calcio, I should say. Um, that's true. So. No marquee games in particular. Uh, let's see. Let's some goals. I mean, Sassuolo should, but probably not. Yep. <laughs> You've got, uh, well, starting with, the, we'll go Thursday and work backwards. Atalanta hosts Torino. Bologna hosts Salernitana. Um, so great chance for Salernitana to follow up on that great win today. Uh, five games on Wednesday. Empoli, Hellas, Verona, Sampdoria, Lazio, Udinese, Fiorentina, Juve, Spezia, Napoli, Lecce. And then on Tuesday, Sassuolo, Milan. Inter, Cremonese, Roma, Monza. So, uh, but then the important one, uh, Saturday, September third, Derby della Madonnina. I've heard of it. I've heard. I, of it. I, I'm familiar. I'm 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 familiar with the uh, mystique of such. And I know we shouldn't also not. It's, it, it, uh, but not to upstage it. Fiorentina, Juventus, also on the same day. So and Lazio, Napoli. Yep, and Lazio, Napoli. So once again, we're going to probably have the same format. Although we got the Milan derby, we're going to have to give that a little bit more attention. But thoughts on those games looking ahead. Leapfrog match week four. Look ahead to match week five with your thoughts on uh, those games. Me? Oh, yes, okay. you. Yeah, I know our guest. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, um, derby is going to be interesting. I think early on this season, it's that's a hard to call. I, I, I don't know who's going to have that game. I think a draw is written all over it, honestly. Um, the Catalare could be a... Obviously, the focus is going to be Leal, right? And Drew has to be starting in these games. But um, the Catalare, watch for him to be maybe the X factor in that game. I mean, yeah. we saw what Milan did with Brahim, Salamakers, and, and Messias last year. It, obviously, it upgraded there. So but don't discount. I want to see Lukaku against, you know, Tamori and Kalulu. We'll see how that goes. You know, it, obviously, we saw what Lukaku did to Romagnoli last year or two years ago. Um, can he have the same impact in the derby as he did previously? Well, Zlatan, well, Zlatan's going to be able to play, right? He's injured. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be even. I I think right now the edge is going to go with the manager, and I think it's going to be Pioli just because right now his teams tactically are better than Inzaghi's. Maybe, and that could just be that loss and uh, against Lazio this weekend. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's awfully, awfully close. And the Fiorentina-Juventus, it's probably another zero-zero game. I mean, you, Fiorentina are not giving up much, and Allegri would probably be content with zero-zero, honestly. Uh, yep. But you never know. I mean, that if Juve come out the way they did, and Fiorentina are very capable of attacking. Obviously, we saw with Sotil and Dodo what they could do. It'll be interesting. It, Malinkovic against against Vlahovic is going to be a big matchup. Obviously, Malinkovic did very well this weekend uh, against Osimhen. So we'll see what he does uh, against Vlahovic. It'll be you know. They don't want to give any fouls up near the box because, you know, Vlahovic is very good at those free kicks. So 
I don't know, man. Both games looking draws, but I don't know. What are you thinking about these games? I think that Fiorentina are going to win against Juventus. I've not okay. seen anything from Juventus that, and after watching Fiorentina deal with what I think is a better attack in Napoli, and I yeah. think they're going to have the quality going the other way to pull off the win at the Artemio Franchi and beat Juve. I, I think that I think they're going to win that game. I think they're going to win 2-0. Oh, um, okay. If they do what they did today, they just need the goals, and I think that they're capable. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm with you. I think Milan win the derby, but narrowly. I think I'm going to go for 2-1 there. Okay. I think that Pioli will set his team up to, you know, you're, we're going to see the same classic stuff, set the team up to absorb – Bring some of the quality, bring some extra quality out at certain points. You may see Salamakers play that game from the start to help give some extra cover. Yeah. Um, so, and then I'm going to go with a draw between Lazio and Napoli. So Chris says um, Di Maria might be back also for that game. If he's in that game, there'll be a that'll be a it'll good, change things certainly yeah, for sure for sure. It'll it'll change things certainly, but I'll go with a draw in the Lazio Napoli game, and I'll I, I still I'm gonna I'm gonna just stick to my guns. I think Fiorentina beat Juve on Saturday. And I think it's going to set the alarm bells off. I think with Juve looking ahead to PSG in the Champions League, uh, coming up on match day one on that Tuesday, I think that they're going to be uh, they're going to be there for the taking. And I think it's going to be a chance for Fiorentina to get a famous win. And as Ali Oxenfries always says, you know, the derbies, any derby, but this derby in particular, form doesn't yes. matter. It does yes. not matter. So yes, agreed. So with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There's Serie A Sit Down. The social media handles, you can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at Serie A Sit Down. We also have a Facebook page, too. Uh, any questions, comments, ideas for topics for future programs, uh, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us there. Um, YouTube, uh, please subscribe. If you enjoyed this video and want to see more of it, please subscribe. We went a little bit longer tonight. We had a lot to cover. I think we usually have a very – when we have the draw and we have the transfers and things closing, we usually go a little longer. So, Um, But, um, you know, please subscribe. Please drop a like. Helps us out a lot. Um, Chat, as always, great topics, great points, great uh, conversation. Thanks for your contributions, as always. Um, and, uh, thank you all for, uh, taking the time to listen to us. Uh, typically if you want to catch us live on our YouTube channel, look up, look us up, city, I sit down. We do have our own channel. If you're, this is, if you're listening to us on the podcast, want to catch us live in general, we're on Sunday nights and generally we are from eight 30 East. Uh, we started at nine East tonight, just trying to finish up some family obligations tonight, but, uh, otherwise just. Look for us on Twitter for when we're going to be on live and uh, nice. uh, join in and get in on the chat. So um, we thank you all for taking your time with us. For Richard, I'm Frank. And as always, be sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao.